Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today on the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Today, it is January 11th, 2022. Our show is brought to you all by Sonos for an immersive sound experience. Check out Sonos now and all of the sound options. They have plenty of speakers, whatever kind of needs you need, you know, in-home, at desk, on TVs, all kinds of stuff they've got. So check out Sonos today. On today's show, I know we are a Big 12 podcast, but we're going to break down last night's national championship game because it is the ending of the 2021 uh, college football season. Talk about what it means generally, what it could mean you know, for other conferences, other teams trying to compete with the Southeastern Conference. We're going to look at Stetson Bennett's performance and ask, you know, could a quarterback like that win again uh, under some different circumstances maybe or what kind of conditions need to happen for a guy like Stetson Bennett to be a national championship winning quarterback. Take a look at next season. Think about, you know, uh, teams that will be contending next year and think about Big 12 teams that could be in the mix next season, hopefully competing at this level. We'll also talk about college football playoff expansion because after last night's game and the, the news of this week, it's very relevant. So a whole lot to get to on this Tuesday edition of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, hello, everybody. I am Josh Neighbors here with the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel here, trying to get over 500 or pretty close. Appreciate all of you all who have been here throughout the season, who have checked out our videos. It's been really fun. First year for us here on YouTube. So we've enjoyed doing the YouTube videos uh, for the first time this season and enjoyed covering college football as it comes to an end here. But make sure you guys subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You can follow the show also at LO Big 12 on Twitter. All right, so the college football season has come to an end. Uh, 33-18, your final score last night, as Georgia wins their first national championship since 1980. Kirby Smart gets over the hump and finally beats uh, his longtime foe slash longtime, uh, you know, coach, partner in crime, if you will, mentor in Nick Saban. So once again, 33-18, a, a revenge game for Georgia after their loss in the SEC championship game. Look, I was on Georgia minus two and a half. I think it's really difficult to beat a team twice. Um, I think the right team won. I know that there were a lot of injuries and that caused some consternation. People saying, you know, if Jamison Williams was healthy, if John Mechie was healthy, if corners were healthy, you know, if everything was kind of uh, at peak efficiency, Alabama would be in good shape, but they weren't. And and that was kind of the reality of the situation. Look, that is football. The Jamison Williams uh, injury was freak, but there are freak injuries in football that happen all the time. And uh, to that end, you know, it, it, it made th- the game did change when Jamison Williams went out. Uh, I think we can all acknowledge that. But Alabama's got so much talent, and Georgia's got so much talent to that extent as well. But they've got so much talent that they've got a bunch of guys, uh, five star guys that were out there, you know, playing that we're not as proven as Jamison Williams and and not definitely not as proven as John Mechie They're both those guys combined, but those guys were out there, you know, uh, trying to make plays and Hall and I know Hall's one who's been much maligned by a lot of people, but uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, Slade Bolden has been there all season long trying to make plays. Trayshawn Holden also out there too. And 
those guys, you know, things, they looked a little bit out of their depth, right? Drops uh, were happening for Alabama. Uh, guys not high-pointing football is the right time, not doing a you know great job finding them. And look, that's the thing about Georgia is they're going to, they're going to, you know, you're going to have opportunities to make catches. Uh, you have opportunities to make plays, but a lot of the time there was man coverage in a lot of spots and Bryce Young, it felt like put the ball in the right place a bunch of times. And those guys didn't make plays. A lot of that was because coverage. A lot of that was because the Alabama players didn't know how to deal with tight coverage and, and weren't, uh, hadn't been in those spots before. So uh, missing those guys definitely uh, hurt them, but Georgia did, you know, really did a great job of playing into that and, and making things difficult. They look fast. Will Anderson looked fast too. Georgia's defense looked fast. He, he and, uh, he and uh, Harris had, had great games uh, yesterday. But, I mean, across the board, like this was a really f- uh, fast, hard-hitting football game, and, and Georgia's speed felt like it kind of got there. I mean, they were getting home to Bryce Young late in that game, early in that game. Um, they got the ball out pretty quickly, but, you know, those guys stopped getting open, and then things got a bit more difficult. And Georgia was fine they were sending pressure, and they were saying, all right, beat us one-on-one. Alabama ultimately couldn't do it enough uh, in the end of this game. But this, this thing got off to a weird start. Once again, I was, I was on Georgia minus two and a half. I felt like it was the right play. I felt like it was hard to beat Alabama or uh, for Alabama to win a second time. I felt like they'd make adjustments early on. I wasn't sure though, but Georgia's defense did a great job in multiple situations, pinning their ears back. Alabama ran a lot more plays than Georgia did in this game. I think Alabama uh, ended up running somewhere in the eighties in terms of plays, um, Bryce Young attempted, what was it like 57? He had like 57 pass attempts. Uh, I think, yeah, 57 pass attempts, um, 28 carries. So, you know, they were into up into the eighties in terms of their play count. Georgia was not, Georgia was, was not up in the eighties. They were actually in the fifties in terms of their offensive play count, but Georgia's defense did a great job. I think it was 4.7 yards per play somewhere in that range. And, uh, they, once again, put Alabama in a bunch of really uncomfortable spots, especially Bryce Young. I thought, generally speaking, he handled it really well. I thought that touchdown throw was a great example, the one he had uh, to Cameron Latsu, um, where he was working the right. And Bryce Young absolutely loves to work back to his right. And he makes that throw across the middle. I thought it was a great throw, and it felt like at that point it was kind of a game on. But Stetson Bennett got the job done, and we'll we'll talk about Stetson Bennett here in a little bit. But congratulations to Georgia, because this is a much – uh, deserved much earned cha- championship, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. And Kirby Smart has taken so much flack uh, time and time again. And this was the one thing he had to get over and get over the hump. But to me, it was only a matter of time. Uh, I know people thought, well, if it's not this year, then when? And, and how long is saving going to stick around for? But Kirby's teams have been too good and they're too well coached. You know, this is not some coaching disadvantage. This is not like it's been poor coaching in a bunch of situations this year. Um, you know, I thought Dan Lanning made some good adjustments from this time to last time. And I thought Todd Munkin did as well. And things were tough early. Once again, they were tough early for Georgia's offense. They made adjustments and they made plays. And once again, well-coached well coached game across the board, I thought, uh, especially for, for Georgia's perspective. But it was a matter of time. And we know in sports, it feels like sometimes, I think the Braves title is a good example, but Washington Nationals title, it's a team I cover. Um, you know, it feels like it, it might, it's kind of a weird time, random time. The team hasn't gotten over the hump before, but eventually they do it. This was Georgia, not not especially that, but they were going to get over the hump eventually. They were too good not to, and they did this time, and I'm not sure it's going to be the last time that we see 
uh, Kirby Smart in the winner's circle, but eventually he was going to get Nick, and eventually he was going to get Alabama. It just happened that tonight was the uh, last night, I should say, was the night. All right, let's talk about the quarterbacks, especially Stetson Bennett. First, a quick word from our sponsors here. Today's show is brought to you by Get Upside. Get Upside, Get Upside y'all, is a new app that's going to help you save at the pump today. Uh, if you guys download the Get Upside app and use the promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E, you can get a bonus 25 cents off per gallon uh, normally, and you'll get an extra 25 cents off the first time you do it. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app right now for free. Once again, use that promo code SCORE and get 50 cents off per gallon. Uh, help you guys save a bunch. Uh, but once again, GetUpside promo code SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so Stetson Bennett last night. It got off to a rocky start. And I was one of those people on Twitter. I was not saying put in JT Daniels, put in JT Daniels. But it felt like Stetson Bennett was a massive liability for the Georgia Bulldogs last night. That first drive was ugly. I mean, they took penalties. Stetson Bennett fumbles. They really had it all going. I mean, going on. They had uh, it was a sack, and then it was a delay of game, followed up by a fumble that Stetson Bennett recovered. Um, so they had it all working in terms of, of of you know inefficiencies, if you will. Even in that second half, they came out and did a great job on that first drive in the second half. But then they had the flea flicker that ended up with an intentional grounding attached to it, which was. Um, really awful. I mean, it, the, the the flea flicker where Stetson Bennett gets it, I think it was George Pickens to the left, decides not even to go on the route, basically, kind of gets jammed up and can't even go in double coverage, and Stetson just flings it downfield. Ends up being a, uh, a intentional grounding, and you're thinking at that point, oh my goodness, like they cannot, they're even running the ball well, but Stetson is getting in their way. And they end up getting a touchdown, but you go to the fourth quarter where Bennett has the fumble. Later after the game, Stetson Bennett said, I was not going to be the reason why we lost. At that point, it felt like it was. It felt like he was because you couldn't trust the guy out there. Uh, you know, he gives it the fumble. Alabama gets the touchdown, and they go up at that point 18-13. You're thinking, man, can Stetson Bennett do this? Tw- you know, can he go down the field and score? And now it's in his hands. And on that first drive, um, they let him sling it. The first one he had was that throw to Jermaine Burton. Then they get the P.I., which... Uh, you know, that one I was not totally sure on, but there was enough. My dad was, he disagreed with me. Uh, he said there was enough there. And then they get the, uh, the Stetson Bennett YOLO pass on the free play. It was like Aaron Rodgers. You, you guys have seen, if you watch NFL, if you don't watch NFL, here's the information for you. Aaron Rodgers is really good at drawing free plays and takes a lot of shots on them too. Uh, they don't work. Majority of the time they don't work. 
But Stetson Bennett saw it, recognized it, and this is, might have been a game where you know he had not played well, and so maybe he just eats it and says, no, 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 I'm, I'm done with the play. I'm not going to take the free shot, or he throws it out of bounds or whatever. Uh, but he saw it going way downfield, and he lofted up a perfect ball. And this is something that's really interesting about Stetson Bennett. We saw it in the Michigan game. You see it actually times this year. Stetson Bennett's not limited by his his arm strength, I don't think. Like, Well, relative to other guys, does he have like the cannon, the hose that we all see? No. But he's not limited by arm strength. He's made a bunch of really awesome downfield throws. The one he had to pickens down the seam in the, in the the towards the beginning of the game was a dime, an absolute dime. And his passes have a lot of loft on them. He puts them way up in the air. That's kind of the characteristic of a Stetson Bennett pass. It's not as much of a rope as you see from a guy like a Mahomes. Mahomes will, if he cranks one deep for a Hail Mary, he can get it up there. But he's throwing balls more on ropes. Josh Allen, another guy who can throw a ball more on a line, it seems like sometimes. Even a Bryce Young can throw a ball on, on a line. Those guys can do a little bit of both. Stetson Bennett's deep passes – they are lofted well up in the air, but it gives your receiver plenty of time and an ability to locate the football, find it, point it, and, and make that play. It's actually pretty crazy. Pickens' only catch was that one in this game. But Donnie Mitchell, you know, he makes that catch, a, just a freshman, 6'4", 190-pound freshman, goes up, locates that football, makes the catch. And I thought it was uh, it was the moment where you're like, oh, my God, this, this kid has, has you know ricocheted back from – what could have been a crippling turnover. And for most of the game, he looked out of his depth, but the defense was so good that he needed to be money for one quarter. And I'm not sure if you all saw the numbers, but since that fumble, it was like four for four for 86 yards and two scores. And he had the easy touchdown pass there in the end. That last drive was really set up by the run game. But, um, you know, this was... I thought Stetson kept them out of a lot of situations early where they could run the football. They were so far behind the chains early in the game on early downs too. First and second down, they had long distances to go that they were not, they were not able to use the running game uh, as effectively as they would have liked to. They hit the one chunk play, the 67 yarder. uh, But still, I thought they ran the ball pretty effectively uh, for, you know, a good portion of that game. You take out sacks, um, I forget how many times they run the ball, but if you take out if you take out sacks, they did a really good job. I thought running the football numerically in this game, they did a really good job against Georgia, not letting them run the football very well in this game. We saw well Brian Robinson did last game, but to, to more to Stetson Bennett, like the the um, the game manager, he was more than that in this game. The problem was he wasn't that in the first half. He was barely a game manager in the first half. He looked rattled. He looked out of his depth. Um, he muffed the snap on the one yard touchdown run they had in the game uh, earlier in the game too, in, in the second half, it felt like, you know, this was not the guy you wanted with the rock in his hands late, but he ended up being that guy. And uh, I was on the radio this morning, uh, with the guys in West Texas on ESPN radio, Todd, and I, I mentioned this point, Todd Munkin and Kirby smarts unrelenting support of Stetson Bennett paid off for them. They have been adamant that he is their quarterback and legitimate questions have been asked about Stetson Bennett's ability to deliver in big spots when he's got to go shot for shot with somebody when it's not just the defense holding their own, but he was put in a hole in this game and he delivered. Then the, you know, they were, they had another situation where he was, it was put in a spot where they had to extend the, uh, extend the lead, right? They were only up at that point after the failed two point conversion 20, uh, it was 19 to 18. 
Well, next drive, seven plays, 62 yards. I know uh, a lot of that was on the ground, but they get the PI call. Um, and then you get the Stetson Bennett pass that he puts perfectly to Brock Bowers, a great play call. They free him up and he's able to just scamper into the end zone pretty easily for the touchdown. Uh, they believed in him. They, they unrelentingly believed in him. They were so confident in his ability to deliver. They never seemed to waver when many of us did, but they knew what they had. So credit to them for sticking to their guns. Those, you know, once again, I cover baseball. Those are the kinds of decisions that we talk about where it's the kind of not get you fired because Kirby's such a good coach, but those are the ones you're going to be judged on. Today, if Alabama won the game and Stetson's kind of performance held up the way it had been, there would be a conversation of, you know, Kirby can put it together in terms of getting a team together. But when they reach that precipice, when they reach that top flight, when they play teams like the Alabamas, you know, he did not make the right choice. You could argue, argue earlier in the season. You could argue at that time with keeping Stetson Bennett in or not making the switch to JT Daniels never wavered. And I thought Stetson Bennett did enough to keep himself in this game early. I think, I feel like he was like one drive away from finding the bench personally, but it seems like they were never going to waver, never going to come off Stetson Bennett in this game. They didn't. Um, and, and it paid off for them. He paid off for them big time. I love seeing the moment later in this game uh, after the game was over when uh, seeing Stetson Bennett go into the crowd and, and, and give my guy, Aaron Murray, serious XM colleagues, some love, big hug, a uh, big, you know, just massive high five and, and all the love from his teammates. So you could see the belief was there in that guy. And they were happy that he was able to prove himself. I mean, he's going to go down in history now uh, in Georgia lore. He's the last quarterback, you know, the first quarterback since Buck Blue to win a national championship. University of Georgia Stafford couldn't do it. DJ Shockley couldn't do it. Aaron Murray couldn't do it. Jake Fromm couldn't do it. None of those guys did it. He did. He, he went out there and got it with a great defense. Yes, but he went out there and got it. Now, uh, could a player like that get it done without a great defense? I don't know. I'm not sure he played well enough to, uh, to do that. But uh, with the conditions that in this game, he delivered. So credit to him. Other side, Bryce Young throwing 57 times under these conditions was not it was not ample. The offensive line uh, did not protect him uh, enough in this game. There were four sacks. But they were really back in. I'm not sure what the hurry numbers will end up being. They were in Bryce Young's face the entire night. And so I thought all things considered, yeah, that last interception um, was really bad. Both interceptions weren't great. But he you know, he was under duress, duress. He was under pressure. And I thought he made a lot of good plays on that last drive, though. It was a bad throw once again. Um, I would not like to be on the business end of him next year. I think he's going to come back and be a great player. They're getting him and Will Anderson back next season amongst a whole bunch of other guys. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of motivation there, but it just wasn't their night, and and it wasn't going to be their night with the number of guys they had out. I know they have depth, but it just wasn't going to be their night. Not saying that George didn't earn it, but it was going to be difficult for Bryce Young. He had to play the game of his life against one of the best defenses that was on fire in that game to win, and uh, you know it's a difficult spot. And uh, Not saying he wasn't up to the task, but not his – best night. And even on his best night, I don't even know if Bryce Young was going to beat that defense. I don't think that was, that was in the cards. All right. Uh, let's take a look at, think about the college football playoff for a second after this, and also look at the way too early top 25s here uh, and talk about some big 12 teams. So we get a little big, big 12 flavor before we get out of here. Today's show is brought to you all by betonline.ag. Uh, BetOnline 
is the best place for all of your sports action needs. Go to Bet Online today. They got futures for college football, college basketball, uh, NFL, the playoffs coming up. You guys can look at that stuff uh, on betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked, uh, locked on, L O C K E D O N, locked on. You'll receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Once again, promo code locked on for a 50% deposit bonus at betonline.ag. Betonline, it is where the game starts. All right, so there's news about the college football playoff expansion. The committee got together and they are not close. Now, my read on it is this. Uh, they're going to get there. There's too much money at stake, but it seems like there's an argument about automatic qualifiers for 12. I think they'll get it solved. They'll get it fixed. Excuse me. The reason why I want to see it, and I've said this a bunch, is that last night was a violent, hard-hitting, fast, and furious football game. So much great talent on one field. Um, so few teams get a majority of those guys, right? And my hope is with playoff expansion, are you going to change outcomes immediately? No, I, I don't think you are. It's pretty reasonable to assume that you're not. People have a chance, game momentum, get involved, whatever. Ohio State make a run, they're still one of the blue bloods. Utah made a run, maybe, I don't know, they were pretty banged up there towards the end of the uh, end of the season. Um, especially going to the Rose Bowl, they were out a bunch of dudes, COVID and whatever else, but a bunch of dudes out. You know, they, they got going two ways. Uh, you know, could a team like that make a run? Once again, maybe I doubt it. The whole point is if you get these teams on television more, you up the dollars, you up their visibility, and there's a chance to spread out a couple of these players more that in combined with NIL, there's a chance to spread these players out a bit more. So sure, your Alabamas and your Georgias are going to have a concentration of these guys they'll always probably have a little bit more, at least right now, they'll always have a little bit more. But there is a chance, there's an opportunity. At, at, the, at the bare minimum, you tried and you fail at it. But I think there's a chance that if you expose more people to college football uh, playoffs, you expose more teams, recruits are going to see that and say, hey, look, if I go to place X, you know, I go to place Y, I actually have a chance to play in the college football playoff, right? I, I can go to Oklahoma State. I can go to a Baylor. I can go to these places and have an opportunity. So maybe a kid um, you know, who's from Stillwater, Oklahoma, as opposed to you know, who is a great player, um, you know, might end up going to Oklahoma state or a kid who's from Fort Worth, Texas, when Nick Saban comes calling, well, maybe he says, you know what? No, I'm going to go to, uh, TCU as, as opposed to going, uh, to Alabama and be a kid from the you know city of Cincinnati, uh, this year might say, I see Cincinnati in, I'm going to stay here as opposed to going over to Ohio state to play the, the possibility, at least in my opinion of that changes just a little bit. And if that changes a little bit and these schools have more money, they have more resources, more opportunities to be on TV. That's good. That's why in my model, the 12-team model I put out there, I, I thought that it should be seven conference automatic qualifiers. I know we're still shaking things up um, with the way, you know, with the way things are going with conference realignment, but seven auto bids for the conference winners is really designed to spread out the wealth. It's designed to spread out the money. It's designed to, to get more teams, more visibility, more money, more exposure to help them with things like recruiting. I know Jackson State getting four and five stars isn't a great example, but like that kind of stuff is decent just so kids can know I'll get visibility, I'll get exposure, I'll get NIL, all of these things in different places so we don't just have to concentrate all the talent. Last night was excellent. Last night was great. But last night's not the argument for why there shouldn't be playoff expansion, right? The Eagles should not be in the playoffs uh, in, in the NFL. Are they? Yes. I thought my uh, my serious XM colleague Gabe, Gabe Iker made a great point yesterday where he said, how entertained were we on Sunday night 
watching the Raiders and Chargers game. It was thrilling. Do we think either of those teams have a shot to win the Super Bowl? No. Uh, well, probably not. Some people might say the Chargers could, but I don't think the way they played down the stretch, they would. And the Raiders, it's a great story. But were we on the edge of our seats watching it? Yes. And so why can we not be on the edge of our seats watching college football playoff games that, hey, might have teams that end up losing? Joe Burrow might put six touchdowns on the Raiders this week and they win by 15. Um, you know, what if the what if the Buccaneers tattoo the Eagles this week in Tampa? You know, does it make the journey, make the ride any less uh, great? Do we, do we say you know, these teams shouldn't be there? Sure, you can say, hey, look, they, they need the extra seven seeds for the, for the NFL. Did it make this weekend more enjoyable or not? Did it make Raiders Chargers more enjoyable or not? Did it keep more teams in it longer? Did it make Jags Colts more exciting? Did it make Steelers Ravens more exciting? That's what we're talking about here. It's not just about the end result. If you're looking at the end result like that, you're you're not seeing the greater picture. This is an entertainment product. College football is. And you make football more accessible to more people. It's just, it just makes sense, right? Not saying this needs to be the NBA where 16 teams make the playoff. But if you go to 12 and you open up the doors to who can get in, that's better. If, if the Pac-12 has a, you know, basically a seat at the table no matter what, that's better for interest out West. This to me is a very clear case of why we need uh, college football playoff expansion. Last night was an excellent game, but please do not use that as the case for why there does not need to be playoff expansion. You're missing the forest of the trees. If anything, it's actually a reason why, because maybe those kids on that team last night, um, have a chance to stay in different places. Maybe Bryce Young stays in Pasadena and goes and plays uh, for USC or goes and plays for Chip at UCLA or goes and plays for Dan Lanning at Oregon. Maybe that stuff happens. Maybe it doesn't, but at least you give them a shot. At least you give them the opportunity. At least you give places like that the chance. And that's really what it's about. Maybe we, you know, sure, there'll be a lot of those kids concentrated, but we can get more dispersing of those kids if there's more resources and more opportunities for those other teams. But still, not saying last night wasn't great. I'm just saying we'll still probably get last night, um, you know, in the end anyway, at least in the beginning. Hope we can spread that out a bit more. Uh, well, actually, let's just save the, the, the look ahead top 25 stuff. Um, for a different day because we're running a little bit long as it is now. Make sure you guys subscribe to us on YouTube. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Till next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.